0: This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. We bring
1: you all things interesting. And as we continue this Heritage Month getting towards its tail end, Heritage Day coming up tomorrow We have been, you know, creating that tight balance between the politics as the local government elections are upon us. But let's turn into another conversation about heritage. This morning, I want to explore a political heritage. What do we consider political heritage? And how can we preserve our political heritage? Now... Most times, this political heritage is preserved through various forms of projects uh, such as archiving and other, you know, ways of curating from those archives, whether be it in a digital form or otherwise. So, I'm going to get into this conversation with my guests, uh, Silo Hatang, uh, CEO at the Nelson Mandela Foundation, Sinazom Chemler uh, archivist at the National Heritage and Cultural Studies Center at the University of Fort Hur and Paul Winberg, photographer, and with the Photography Legacy Project. And there they have something interesting coming out as they celebrate 44 years uh, since the death of Steve Biko, and they are doing so through photographs. Now, I must tell you something. Black and white photographs, there's just something that is so nice about them. Let me welcome my guests. Uh, Silo, good morning. Welcome to Talk good morning my dear brother hope you are well i'm well buddy, and i guess you are still in good spirits yourself i am indeed fantastic stuff Sinazo. good morning to you
0: good morning Dukwana. how are you i'm
1: well how are you this morning
0: i'm also well uh, good morning to all the other panelists as well
1: thank you paul good Paul, a good morning to you and welcome to power talk
2: good morning Dukwana, and uh, to the panelists and and to your listeners
1: Thank you so much. Now so let me start off uh, with you. I mean you guys uh, there at Forte uh, you know are endowed with with probably the most important archive not necessarily the most important archive but it really ranks quite highly in terms of you know the liberation archive that you host there. Perhaps just give us a bit of insight as to what it is that you do first of all before we probably get to the nitty-gritties of how people can access that archive, how vast it is. And you know, are you still taking in any things? What is it that you are still looking out for from people in case someone is listening and they can deposit something into your archive?
0: Thank you so much actually, for this question. um what we what I do as an archivist um basically we do what we call the arrangement of materials because you know material they come to the archive uh like maybe in in boxes uh let's let's say someone donated um boxes of um correspondences, uh videos, um different materials. So what we do we have to arrange the material, uh separating all the different um materials according to to formats mm. because as we know in the archive all these things they sit differently because they require different preservation uh, methods. For example the video cassettes would require like different temperature in order for, for the cassette not to deteriorate and to remain in, in a good condition. So mm. this is basically just the basic stuff that we do. But also as an archivist, um, we do an intellectual arrangement of the material because when it comes, um, it's not necessarily ready for the, for the researchers, uh, whoever is going to access it, to access it properly. Because at least when you know that, okay, all the correspondences from a certain date to a certain date, are here, and what is what are they talking about? You know, you have to provide that summary so that when someone comes to to find the information, you are able to direct them easily rather than just a, a bunch of things that don't have um, an order. I mm. would say, mm. so I think that's basically the work that we do, um, and we also do curate, you know, the material because um, as a person, we all have different ways of seeing things and different ways of understanding things so even within the archiving discipline you find that um we 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 have different yeah ways of ordering the material which has a direct impact on how they get received by by the public you know so we're always in conversation actually with other disciplines it's not just archivists sitting in their own you know silos and uh, arranging things however they want it's also listening into to what um other people are doing also in other institutions you know such as uh a um there at uct if, if he's still there as well as the center of memory um, the nelson mandela you know so Oops. different yeah so I, I guess that's basically what i would say about the liberation archive i'm glad that you you, you mentioned that it's a liberation archive yeah. um to move away from the idea of a political archive. Yeah, they often say it's an yeah. ANC archive that is yes, a default here, but it's much more than that now, yes, isn't that's it? Yeah, it's what people always mm. kind of, you know, they always imagine it, okay, it's because um they, it's, a polit- it's as if there's it's one political party yeah. that we're keeping records of, which is not, because we have, um we, that's why we consider ourselves a liberation archive because I guess liberation is broader. It also incorporates other materials such as like religious organizations, African intellectuals, uh things that speak to like the culture and the, the histories of African people in the in the diaspora as well as in, in South Africa, you know. So basically um the idea of a, a kind of a liberation archive I I would say is good because it it moves away from putting uh, political figures at the center of, 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 of how we, we actually even name and how we define what a liberation archive is. Absolutely. So and, we, and I suppose it's
1: also very important, Nazo, to speak of it in that way to actually illuminate the place of Forte as that gateway where not only just South African liberation activists uh, went through, even in the African continent, you know, uh, various luminaries of our struggle in the continent studied at Forte as well.
0: Definitely, definitely, Lukwana. Because I would say that there there was a reason why the the, the different uh, liberation movements decided to to uh, deposit their records with with Forte mm. because they were also aligning that thinking. What you're saying that Forte, in its in its own capacity, also has a rich heritage, you know. And you have people who have contributed to to liberation struggles all over Africa who have studied in at Forte. So it was. Basically the, you know, the right home for 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 these liberation um, archives. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Let,
1: let, let, let me go to Silo. Silo, I mean, uh, Snazo starts talking about, you know, the center of memory. I've had the pleasure of visiting once uh, at some point, some years ago now. Uh, I think there was an exhibition you were having, or a talk. Uh, beautiful space. What is it that you do there? Why is it important? And, you know, um, why should we know about it? It shouldn't just be, you know, you and I, Snazo and Paul, who know about it, but the broader public as well.
3: No, thank you so much. Uh, again, uh, the uh, beautiful opening by Usis Sinazo because uh, the, that kind of opening kind of says to us uh, there's more to our history than Mr. the eye. There's more yeah. that that we need to learn about our own history. Uh, it's uh, it, it, it we 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 are speaking at a time when uh, uh, the the um, lilies uh, lilies leaf mm. uh, it has basically had to close these doors, and again, it says something about appreciation of our history. Um, that uh, they, there's uh, there's something greater that we need to be doing. So just yeah. the Nelson Mandela Centre of Memory, um, where we we we, we have um, two major collections. There's uh, uh, other smaller ones, but mm. we have two major collections. One, or which is the biggest, is Madiba's archive, uh, which. Um, has the uh, the oldest record dating back to 1929, mm. which is Madiba's church membership card, uh, to letters he wrote while he was in prison, to notes while he was observing uh, the, um, the 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 negotiation process into elections, etc. And I uh, maybe an anecdote that's important is that uh, uh, during the time when uh, uh, Madiba was being called a sellout, I had the honor of uh, hosting some of the uh, um, police movement leaders. And uh, during that time, I'd say to them, why do you call Madiba a, 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 a sellout? And they would name a few things. And I'd go to the archive and say, this is what Madiba says about that period. Mm. And I'd pull out what Madiba was uh, reflecting on at that time. It could be 1989. It could be wh- whichever period that he was reflecting on that. Then we also have a, a smaller collection of, uh, which is uh, M- Winnie Mandela's archive. Mm. Um, the family then bestowed it with us uh, at, on a temporary basis uh, that will process it and then digitize the the archive. Um, and I think it's important that part of what we're doing is not just to keep these in the archive, but we digitize them with a view that if there's a child who's in grade 12, Mm. grade 11, who's studying our history and they want to know more about something to do with non women, Maticzella Mandela, they should be able to come into the archive um, uh, digitally and just uh, be able to access that record. So that's the kind of work that we've been doing. Part of the journey that we've had to travel with uh, people like Paul, for example, is that... um, Those uh, uh, video and uh, photographs Mm. uh, convey uh, messages about our archive and uh, about our history, rather, through the archive. So we've got a a collection of uh, photographs, um, audiovisual material. Uh, uh, that was collected over the time and uh, we're grateful to photographers uh, who have been and videographers who are able to capture those moments and uh, deliver them in the way that they did because today one can then be able to just go and check what happened uh, in, uh, in a, at a particular moment and uh, access that archive that way.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Silo, such important work that is being done there. But also, you at times use the center of memory as a convening place um, for yep. certain conversations.
3: Yeah. So, so, um, uh, you'd know that uh, the, the part of the, 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 the it's in, in three parts. We have the, the uh, memory work, which is uh, what we're talking about, the archive. Then we've got dialogue work, um, where uh, we, we, it's also part of the process of rebuilding KZN after July, mm. rebuilding uh, parts of, uh, of uh, Johannesburg and houting, I should say, after July, uh, uh, disaster that happened in July. So that's the dialogue work that we do. Um, that includes the Nelson Annual Lecture, which this year, you know, was addressed by Madame Ben Souda, who addressed the issue of rule of law. Um, mm. And uh, and that's a uh, part of the mandate. that we do. The third part is about um, uh, Mandela Day, where uh, at the moment the focus has been on relief work. Mm. Uh, we've gone to places where, which are almost forgotten. Uh, We went to a community in Northwest uh, where when we tried to send a pin of where we were, um, we we actually ended up with a a pin that said, um, we are in the middle of nowhere. And those are people that we find. And they they told us that uh, uh, the only interaction they have with the state is through the IEC Mm. uh, during elections. Those are communities that we try find. And uh, we work with others uh, in partnership to help Uh, Do relief work, uh, do uh, the work of restoring dignity. And you remember, I don't know if you remember that recently uh, we we worked with uh, the Colin Mashawana Foundation Mm. and we helped build two homes for orphans. and uh, and a 78-year-old lady whose house was demolished by a storm and has been living under dire circumstances. So that's part of our Mandela Day work, of making everyday a Mandela Day.
1: Absolutely. Paul, I'm going to pay some bills and come back to you so that we also get into the work that is being done by the Photography Legacy Project. Absolutely enjoyed uh, receiving your media release a few days ago. Uh, people of Power, I'm in conversation with Snazom Chemla uh, from the University of Fortescue, Silo Hatang, Nelson Mandela Foundation, Paul Winberg, uh, Photography Legacy Project, 0861987000 is the dial, talking all things about political heritage, the archiving of all of that work, how it is done, why it is important, and what is our role as society.
0: Power Talk with Lukon Amguni. Weekdays 9 a.m. to noon on Power
1: 98.7 Well we are talking this is Thought Council. We are asking the question how can how can we preserve our political heritage. Paul, I was going to come to you after this short break. I mean, uh, Silo talks about digitizing. That's exactly what you are doing at the Photography Legacy Project. In fact, you have promised that uh, soon enough, the works of Ralph Ndaw will be available on the website.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we live in a time um, where, you know, the days are gone of the sort of physical archive locked away behind steel doors that are inaccessible to the public and the world. You know, digitization, you know, breaks down all those barriers and so important in South Africa where, you know, these archives, as alluded to by Cello and Sinatwe, you know, were, you know, colonial and apartheid um, constructions and, and recreating new archives. So nothing better than <clears throat> making them accessible and available to the world for them to engage with so that's essentially what the photography legacy project does um and we work mainly with with um photographs and the legacies of photographers like david goldblatt alf kamalo um ernest cole and more recently um ralph and work which has been kept by the family for for generations for decades and now it's coming to light um and it particularly connects with um, the commemoration of uh, Steve Beaker's, um passing, mm. and and the and the funeral that would have happened tomorrow, on no, the twenty fifth, forty four years later. So we were able to show uh, Ralph and Dahl's work of the, of the funeral, uh, which is quite an amazing collection. Uh, the the work from Baha and Drum, and also um, Askumala's contribution to to this, uh, the legacy of the struggle icon,
1: Paul. Perhaps let's get into something. I mean, you're, you're a photographer yourself, a vast, vast, vast experience in the space of political photography. Let's call it that for a lack of a better term for now. In the space of political photography, and you know, with so much the so with so many events that get to happen, and such a high moving news cycle, at what point do you, as photographers, stop and look back and say? Perhaps these photos might just become iconic. I need to care for them much more than the others
2: yeah, well you know the 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 situation with photographers is that um many of us were photojournalists, news photographers, and the news photography, which might be kind of considered as the first draft of history mm. um then kind of dissipates um. And unless you really look after and um, collect it and now importantly digitize it, it just fades away, literally, just Mm. you don't have a presence. So a lot of photographers, uh, including myself, you know, have um, looked into, well, are digitizing our own work so that, you know, history becomes, you know, stays alive and that uh, we, and and we engage with our memory, our, our heritage, and so we can connect with, um, the organizations like the Nelson Mandela Foundation and the Liberation Archives in, in, in Forte Um and
1: I mean, I mean, is there some stuff that gets lost much to your pain in the sense that when you, when as we develop, because this is what I want to tackle uh, in the second half of our conversation. I know it's going to be news headlines, but I want to leave this question uh, out there for you and the other panelists. Is there stuff that gets lost that when you look back, you probably are pained to say we probably should have done better uh, to look at after some of these things? I know, for example, uh, back in the day, making and duplicates and all of those was much more difficult than it is today but also i want to leave this question to snazo and silo to think about to say um, especially in the present moment we talk about the historic archive the liberation archive but how do we and i've asked this to prof raymond satna and we've still trying to respond to this question how do we know presently which events are worth looking after and archiving consciously so that for generations to come, there is an archive about today's world. I'll leave that to you and we'll answer it after our news headlines with Katle Kolekhodi.
0: You're listening to Power Talk, 9 a.m. to noon. 24,
1: 26 minutes to the hour, 11 o'clock this morning. This is Thought Council, second hour. Uh, how can we preserve our political heritage? and where do these archives sit so i'm talking to some of the people who are actually at the center of that preservation work silo hatang ceo at the nelson mandela foundation sinazo mchemla uh, archivist at uh, the national heritage and cultural studies center at the university of forte paul winberg photographer at and uh, with the photography legacy Project. Sinazo, i mean uh, let's take the conversation forward a little there is a contemporary world in which we live uh, we, we're we not so sure what will probably be considered as the most historic moment um, in our country. You've got things such as Fismas Fall that we've seen. Uh, we've seen, you know, recently the July unrest. We've seen some waves of xenophobic attacks. We've seen uh, instances where communities stand together and, you know, uh, actually advocate for certain things to happen and they make good gains and government responds. When we think of in the moment, what could become an archive? How how do we start thinking about that conversation?
0: Yeah, that's actually a difficult one. Um, <clears throat> But I'm just going to think about, uh, for example, the, the Liberation Archives, how mm. they came, because it it is records that were done in exile because the liberation movements were banned in, in mm. South Africa. So they, I don't even imagine that they thought that what is there at NAHEG would end up there, you know? Um nice some of the things might have gotten lost, of course, um, because that was part of the process, because it was dangerous to keep uh, banned materials, things like that, which we house now currently. So the nature of the making of the archives... is something that has an element of kind of contingency it's not uh something that one is able to plan in the future and say mm. definitely these are the things that we're going to that are going to be relevant but i guess one can also use their own as you are mentioning all these other events the seeds must fall um there's all these major events we can already see that those events could be part of the archive, could be part of the liberation archive, actually, because liberation, I, I would imagine, is something that is always uh, continuously happening. The seeking liberation is something that is done by different generations at different times, You know, um, fighting against different um, oppressions or things that people are not happy with mm. and trying to make a better society. So I think those events that are happening on the ground within our communities, Those are the things that also ought to be kind of incorporated into the archive. Of course, we know that uh, issues of uh, space and issues of, you know, um, things like that. It's not like physically we can include every single thing, but I think we can be creative about um how we do that um for i'll just use one example um currently we are involved but at the beginning stages uh, of like a community engagement project with mm. uh, there is a there's a project that's called the historic schools uh, project so yes. this is about reviving the the schools um such as hilltown and your love Dales to to kind of um draw on the histories the rich histories where Many people such as that Nelson Mandela was also a student there mm-hmm. and, and other people who are, you know, prominent in society have studied there. Of course, as much as it was it was built by missionaries and all of that, but there's a significant um, history that is part of that school. So we as NAHEF are involved actually in kind of thinking with them about ways of preserving that rich history with all the issues of loss that have happened with the degrading of the, you know, the the buildings, you know, Mm. and the lack of care that Happened with these heritage sites, which are very important. Well, well, so Snaz,
1: you, you're, yes. you're reminding me of the work that Taming Masana is also doing in that area and space about those schools. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, fa- fa- fascinating work. Let me just bring in Silo a bit, okay. Nas. I'll come back to you, Silo, I mean, uh, you did say sometimes we must not see these archives as just being about personalities. Uh, mm-hmm. Looking at the multifaceted, you know, nature of our history, how do we use though, um, you know, your space and the figures that uh, you hold? the major archives for, as an entry point to learn about some of those people who may have been around them, quite influential in their own respect and communities, but we do not know enough. So people that, you know, Mamu Wini Mandela might have encountered when she was a student, Mfundisweni High School, for example, long before she came to Johannesburg, or people that, uh, and I mean, it was her brother's uh, funeral not long ago, may his soul rest in peace, Utadu uh, Prince Matigizela. Um, I, how do we get? I mean, to to know about those. I mean, if you talk about Prince Matigizela Ebizana, you get a lot of stories about who he is, what he stands for. What? How do we use these luminary figures that we already have, but as a gateway to get to learn about other people around them?
3: You know, that's a very important question, uh, Lukona, because uh, we, we tend to think of the ones that uh, we, whose history we are uh, preserving, like such as Madiba. Need to tell you a little anecdote that when yeah. we, um, uh, it, my predecessor had a situation where Madiba walked in the building and found yet another exhibition uh, at the at the uh, Centre of Memory <laughs> on him, and he called uh, Ahmed and he said, "Look, um, this is not right. We need to to be finding other voices, mm. other people that we can then uh, be uh, exhibiting about, and." Um, and that's why we then went outside of what you'd consider to be uh, just Madiba. We, we then changed our thing to the life and times of Nelson Mandela. Mm,
4: mm, um,
3: the, mm. the times being, uh, uh, even those who influenced him, yes. we then included them. Uh, we, that's why we even went further. We, we then o- also hosted uh, an exhibition on the, uh, Robert Mangadli Sosobuku.
4: Mm. Um,
3: you know, even uh, just outside the ANC conventional Uh, way uh, of of thinking about liberation, as Sinazor was saying. And I think it's important uh, that we then find those people whose voices have not been found yet. And uh, you asked uh, another question earlier about what what, uh, deserves to be the archive. We shouldn't be fooling ourselves that uh, uh, this is a very um, objective uh, uh, way of... uh, No, it's not. Uh, The archivist, the records manager, the photographer chooses... Uh, what you need to see, and what you need to, what needs to be preserved, mm. and I think it's important that when we think like that, we then say that we can't preserve everything. That's Choices true. Choices have to be made. Sometimes, when you look at Madiba's archive, you think to yourself, "Man, it, I would have thought this was nothing. It's ephemeral material." Then you you find a, a photographer who wants to, rather, a, a researcher who wants to come in and look at. Uh, what children gave Madiba.
4: Mm.
3: And you find a teddy bear uh, (laughs) that you thought, ah, man, this was... It's not important. Uh, Meanwhile, there's a journalist uh, or or a researcher who wants to see Um, such material that you consider to be ephemeral.
1: Absolutely. Paul, such an important issue Sillo is raising. We can't preserve everything. Snazo talks about the space question. You are going digital, which might take care of the space question. But even there in that world, there still has to be some choices to be made. Sometimes we believe that certain things don't sit neatly with others. Certain names don't, you know, belong next to others. How do we navigate this conversation? Because it's actually at the heart of it. And who Who should probably be around the table to try and attempt to influence uh, this conversation?
2: That's a really important point, and it's a difficult issue to mediate because, um, you know, while the archive is not a neutral kind of concept, um, it it is also a repository of um, multifaceted, um, you know, inputs. Um, And so, I'd just like to throw into the conversation. Two ideas, a couple of ideas. The one is the archivist as an activist and, and also storytelling. Um, because um, we live in a situation where we are not kind of supported by the state to, to actively go and um, build this heritage, make it accessible. There's no support for digitization. So we're working mm. against the grain, we're working against, against the past. Which was, you know, out there to erase the legacies of Madiba and many others, and the rich histories that uh, Sinaswe was, was talking about in, in the Eastern Cape. Um, so, so we're, we're kind of activists on the one one level, um, and we're also storytellers. And and we we need to tell stories that uh, include ordinary people, not just politicians, and not just. Political in the very narrow sense of the word so this this you know this more diverse sense of um of an archive is very important and and let me just you know disrupt that slightly by saying yeah. <laughs> when we when we talk about um you know liberation uh, let's just think about vernacular photography, about people who would have been gone to, have their portrait taken,
4: mm. dressed
2: up in style or whether they were snapped by a street photographer, that was a sense of, you know, liberation. It's 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 somebody saying, I'm not nobody. Mm. I, I'm proud to be who I, who I am. I'm not going to just be kind of, you know, um, a, a political uh, statistic. I'm somebody. Look at me. I'm well-dressed. Absolutely. Um, I'm, so, so this is a lovely way that ordinary people fight back against the the You know, the conversation of what is political and what is, you know, um, the way forward. Now, you know,
1: Paul, you are raising something very interesting for me. Um, Silo talks about, you know, thinking a teddy bear doesn't matter. And then somebody comes and asks, what did children give Madiba? Uh, mm-hmm. There's a story from a friend in Durban. <clears throat> Um There's a, a restaurant called St. Clement's and the owner there uh, one day was driving around, there was a bit of rubble thrown out and there was this photograph that just caught his eye. He picked up the photograph, it was literally going to trash. He picked up the photograph, cleaned it up and put, up, put it up on his wall. One day, Ella Gandhi, the granddaughter to Madma Gandhi, is in this restaurant. <laughs> And she looks at that photograph and she says, "No no 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 who 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 put this photograph up here and they say the owner so the owner comes and meets her and she's like, "No, I think that was her aunt or something sister to Mahatma Gandhi not known to the not known to the restaurant owner he just saw a photograph he loved it, took it up now here was somebody material connection to that photograph and I suppose the last question I want to ask you with that story in mind is. At what point do we even start to think we need to just keep stuff and not be al- accused of holding? Because you might think you are actually helping f- the future by keeping stuff. Some will just say you are a holder. Uh, how do we create a balance in that conversation?
2: Well, I think, you know, curation is critical. You know, we're, we need to, like, uh, develop a sense of criteria around the collection. And understand what's important what's important in this particular photographer's work, what's important in this archive's work archivist's work um, and what's important uh, in the repository so it, it it engages people and and keeps people interested um because you're so right I mean we can't just get drowned in you know sea of material, so we need to keep the storytelling side of it very very you know sharp and tidy. Um, and 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 out of that come sub stories. Mm. Um, I mean, I can just say, you know, for example, you know, in my archive, and I, I found this recently. I found an image of our president Cyril Ramaphosa at a um, the Sautu rally in 1987, and I photographed wow. him. And behind the scene, wh- behind him was this big banner that said, "Socialism means freedom." Now, you put that picture up. And, and reflect on it uh it has many many it'll create many narratives and mm. it will be quite provocative like you know what happened to all those i love ideas we had in the 1980s as we were fighting against this this apartheid system mm. and lo- mm. looking towards liberation you you follow what i'm trying to say I, so I, there, I do i do there are many there are many layers at which you know the the archive works that that um interrogate and exact our imaginations.
1: Absolutely. People of Power, the line is 861 987 If you've got a question this morning, absolutely, the archive is much more complex than what meets the eye when we visit and go there. And sometimes out of frustration, you know, uh, if you've ever researched anything that has to do with history, pick up the phone. I expect you guys to have this enazo. Well. Why don't you have something on one, two, three in that archive? Before I come back to you, let me go to Little Honolo in Pretoria. Good morning to you. Uh
5: good morning, uh, Lukona and your guests. You know, this is quite fascinating topic, Lukona. Mm. Um I like the fact that you 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 know you're removing this political archive to liberation archive. Yeah. And it suits my my input so to say. Yeah. In, in a way that I I want to ask it because for me the 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 current narrative of archives is more political and more academic mm. than um, if you look there the, the were traditional leaders that were part and parcel of liberating us in in the past and and, and majority of them are, are seems to be left behind mm. I want to ask to say how can we involve and broaden this archiving system so much that you know, it can be inclusive in a manner that Nelson Mandela wished, as as, as Cello has just said, mm. about, you know, making it, it look inclusive, in, uh, I mean, including other comrades of his. Yeah. To say, let, can we broaden it and include? For an example, if I, I were to give you an example, you know, if you remember what Hoshis Kukuni said, uh, his last words were that, no other king will stand up to Pretoria like I did. Mm. All of them will be Pretoria. And, and this was a statement said, in the 1800s and 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 for me that that, that was a, a political statement that speaks volume to, towards liberating us from traditional point of i mean traditional leaders point of view how, how, how can can your photographers you know broaden the scope a little bit or do we as members of public have got space to contribute
1: okay um Such an important one. I'll put it to my guest. Let's pay the bills so that we can continue this conversation. Please do dial now if you want to be part of the conversation. 0861 987 000 because after this, we will just be wrapping up.
5: Power 98.7, progressively elevating the conversation. Now we're talking.
1: Nine minutes to the hour, 11 o'clock Thought Council question that we are trying to answer. How can we preserve our political heritage? And I suppose Nazo Nilo Honolo, what he's raising is very important. Moving the archive narrative, you know, beyond politica, pol- political and, and being academic, making it part of society. And I ask this in the backdrop, especially uh, with the Liberation Archive. I've met a number of former MK, uh, you know, uh, combatants who now want to write their story. But when you talk to the Department of Defense and military veterans, the section on military veterans tends to say, well, we want them to write their story, but it's so difficult creating a system of verification of the claims that a person might make about their time in Lusaka, their time in Angola, and so on. When you get new material, Sinazo, Uh, from the likes of Little Honolo who might come across or from from someone who says I was part of the struggle and this is who I am, this is what I did. How important is that verification work? And have you ever let go of anything because you just can't verify it?
0: Oh, yeah, that's actually quite (laughs) an interesting one. (laughs) Well, I guess the verification. Sometimes it's impossible to to verify whether someone was part of uh, MK or Mm. not because you find that, I mean, uh, there's no... Documentation that's able to locate every single person. Some people remain unidentified, mm. unnamed in the archive. that's basically part of the gaps that are in the archive um, as we know it. So that's why what Lihonolo is saying about kind of where is the place for thinking about the archive beyond um, the repository that is Nahaeks, for example, and thinking about ways of um, becoming inclusive through oral histories because of that um, oral histories Oh, Snazo, Snazo, please just move for me.
1: I'm starting to lose you. Um, okay, can you hear me now? Yes,
0: better, better, better. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um. So where did I lose you?
1: Uh, you were just saying, I mean, as Little Onoda is saying, you know, moving beyond the, the,
0: oh, yes, the politics yes, and, and the yes, academic yes, part. Yes. and I guess the, the archive requires us to open up ideas of what, what an archive is, you know, because if, if we if we remain with the you know the old colonial way of archiving, we would take certain documents seriously and other things that are not necessarily tangible, we we don't take it seriously. That's why oral histories are important, mm. um you know community histories because then those, uh you know narratives that he's talking about about the traditional leaders and what they said um become important. Like for example, with um Robert Sobuko, that's just out of um. Context to what he's saying, but he doesn't. There's no voice of Robert Sobukwe speaking that I know of. If someone actually knows, I would S-Snazo, love to Snazo, know Snazo,
1: right. Snazo, you are raising something that has been visited and revisited many a times. I'll also throw this question to Silo. Before I go to him, are you truly convinced that there's no voice, no visual of Robert Sobukwe on any archive? Snazo?
0: Oh, am I, oh, I'm not convinced, but uh, it's just an interesting question because uh, there are voices of Sobukwe all over. I mean, the stuff that we have about him, mm. what people remember about him, those also would form part of how we yes. think about Sobukwe's archive. So that's why I'm trying to say that Maybe sometimes we shouldn't get stuck on, like, trying to find, you know, the voice or the thing so that we are able to kind of move uh, beyond um, those limitations of the archive.
1: Okay. Uh, Thank you very much. So, I mean, on that particular note, you say you do say you've done some work on the lifetimes of Robert Sobukwe. But there's always this question that keeps coming up. No visual... SABC itself says it has nothing, which we would hope that, you know, uh, would at least give us something. When you were trying to curate, uh, you know, Life and Times of Robert Sobukwe, how difficult was it to confront this constant, you know, brick wall of no visual, uh, of him talking um, and and his voice talking for itself? I mean, if we have it for other leaders, it would have been nice to have it for him. What does it tell us about uh, his place in history?
3: I think the. Um, I, I want to go back to what Sinaz was saying that uh, uh, the more we, we get stuck on uh, w- what the archive doesn't have, the more we don't appreciate what it has. Mm. What we found in that archive was uh, incredible. We found uh, things like um, we worked, let me start off by saying we worked with the family. Yes. And uh, we, we worked with uh, Bradini, may his soul rest in peace. Um, we worked with him and uh, he, he got us into the archive of the family. His letters he wrote to uh, Mam Mamsobuukwe, uh, notes he wrote to the kids about their education. Uh, small things like, um, you know, the, the thing that you use to uh, put your shoes on, uh, where you put it at the back of the hill and you slide your foot in. Mm. Stuff like that we found that he belongs to him. Um, the radio he listened to, the physical radio uh, that he listened to. So stuff like that made it such an incredible, incredible um, uh, exhibition, which is why now it's in Hrafrenet. Mm. Uh, And I think it's important that uh, we then say, uh, uh, people like uh, Ntadesoboku left us some things that we, 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 we should appreciate. However, on the voice side, it tells you about silencing too, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, That uh, there was a lot of silencing of uh, that voice of Sobuk, um, uh, which is symbolic of what Paul was saying, of many others whose voices are silenced who are not known.
1: If at least their voices are silenced they're illuminated in the photographs Paul and photos can tell such a meaningful stories I mean uh, and and I suppose that's why we love photographs as well because when we look at them it's not just about seeing faces, it's also about seeing uh, you know the meaning and interpretations in a particular photograph but Paul is a parting shot uh, has left us really with an an important question about how do we extend this conversation beyond just a, a limited circle of people and I, and I'm asking this on the backdrop of you know, even village life is changing. So, when we used to have a span of cattle, uh, my, my kids might never get to see that because now we use tractors and all of that uh, as communities. Uh, what do you think we should be thinking about preserving uh, from that archive? That because almost every fo- family home, that album is an archive on its own. How do we preserve that archive? Uh, you know, as Nazo said, some things go off over time. They need the right temperature. Some f- pictures start defacing. How do you empower us as 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 communities to preserve that archive, which is the family photo album? Uh, is that for me? Yes, Paul.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's so interesting because um you know, there's a traditional way of looking at the archive, uh recording and, you know, documents, mm-hmm. and then as Nazare was saying, you know, there's like oral history. Um and there's which has never really been taken seriously uh and it's a deep deep um has deep resonances in terms of our our past. So I think we've got to look at uh essentially the the archivist is an activist using all the creative tools they have to, to make this material available and um, accessible. And in, and in this kind of modern digital virtual world, there's so much we can do to just raise profiles and also just um, engage with, with histories that are so often uh, muted or unrecorded. Paul, thank you so much.
1: I must say, an hour just runs by so quickly. There's so much we could uh, still actually delve into. But, still well. Paul, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you so
3: much for the opportunity and congratulations on the subject. Thank you. Thank
2: you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you you so much. That was such a beautiful Thought Council conversation. Paul Weinberg, photographer at the Photography Legacy Projects, Nazom Chemla, archivist, National Heritage and Cultural Studies Center at the University of Forte, Silo Hatang, CEO at the Nelson Mandela Foundation.